Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hey, friend, welcome to the show today, and I'm really glad that you're here. And in this episode, I'm talking to my new friend, Kelly Hatcher, who has been such an inspiration to me from the moment that I first talked to her. And I know that she will be to you too when you hear her story. Kelly has a background in education as a teacher, educator, and a counselor. And she is a recovery coach and an intervention specialist. She's also been dealing with her son's addiction over the last 10 years, and she shares with us her story of strength and resilience and how after so many years of trying to save her son, she's gotten her life back and changed her relationship with her son and with herself completely. Let's jump in. Kelly, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. And I'm just looking so forward to you sharing your powerful story with the moms that are listening and having this opportunity to talk and to learn from you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk to you again. I feel like, okay, now we've become friends and to be on each other's podcasts. I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you're so easy to talk to. I mean, we were just saying the first time I talked to you, we talked for an hour and a half on the phone. Right. And it was supposed to be just a quickie. And and then, and then, and it just kept going and going. It it was, but it was great. I knew we had a connection on that first conversation. So I'm excited. It was was awesome. Yeah. And our stories, some of our story parallels. each other. And so just being able to talk about that with you was really, it's just good to have people Mm -hmm. to talk to that you can relate to that have had some of the same challenges. Absolutely. And and to hear, yeah, me too. Yeah. I think we need to have these moms realize that you're not alone and it's okay to talk about it. It's a safe place and it's not your fault. So I feel that so many I mean, that self-blame just comes into play so much, or you're embarrassed what other people will think of you. And it's like, it's okay. You know, we need to talk about this. I want to start out. I'm so glad that you say that because I'm asking a question. I just started asking a question because moms were like, 
I love when you keep it real and you have people on that have really struggled with something and I do feel less alone. And when you think back and you think of a specific situation where I'm just going to call it where you felt like you had a mom fail, of course, we're not, we don't really want to call it a mom fail because we're always learning, but what it was one situation that you look back on when your kids were growing up and you think, ah, oh, you know, I, I would have done that differently. Wow. I have a hundred of those. I could give you <laughs> unfortunate. The biggest one that just popped up when you said that was, um, I worked in a school district as a teacher and a counselor and my kids went to the same school district and every time they didn't like a teacher or they struggled, I moved them. I moved them. Like they have had, they've gone to different schools in their elementary years. They went to three, four different schools in elementary and elementary here is, you know, kindergarten through fifth. And they went to four different schools. One being a homeschool. I took, I homeschooled them one year too, because anytime there was a struggle or they didn't like something, mommy came in and fixed it and made it happily ever after. And probably one of my biggest regrets. I wish I didn't fix everything for both of my boys. And I did everything. Wow. And you had an inside trap. I would imagine being a teacher, you could do that. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, like I moved them to one school and I said, I'll be the PTA president if you, if I can do this. And they were like, you're on. And I, I mean, so then I was PTA president while I was still working. Like I did anything I could to make their childhood from in my head, a perfect childhood, which now I just want to throw up when I say that, because it's like, oh my gosh, there's no, there's no such word as perfect in raising kids. And I think some of the struggles in life that especially my oldest son deals with is because I fixed everything. He didn't know how to struggle. He didn't know how to, you know, work through something and find a solution on his own. He would just fix it because mom would fix it. So um, that that's probably my biggest one. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to dig into that because I know that so many moms listening can relate to that. Because we love our kids, we care. And then we end up fixing or overdoing. And that does not go so well. But we have to, you know, it's that self awareness of why, you know, what's going on with us when we're doing that. I think that what, you know, you look at your neighborhood, and you look at the other moms, and you're now kind of comparing other people in your own head, or you're on that stupid social media and you see all the glamour of hashtag blessed family, perfect family. And you kind of visualize this is what you should be doing. And in my head, I was constantly like, my kids never bought school lunch. I made lunch every single day, their entire 12 years of school. And you, we never had cereal. Like you didn't eat cereal. I made warm breakfast every day. And I brag about that. And I'm like, why? I didn't get a trophy. I didn't get a, I didn't get the super mom hero, you know, sweatshirt for that. It's just, it was what I thought was the good mom. And it's like, well, guess what? I still have a son addicted to drugs. I mean, everything I thought I did right 
you, you know, it's like, I can't keep self blaming myself. And I think we put so much pressure on being a good mom that we, we lose our own identity. And that was, that was where I was. I, I was lost when my son started using, because I just thought, what in the world happened? What did I do wrong? Which womp, womp, let me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you bring up a great point. Cause it's like, I felt the same way that I thought if I do everything right, you know, whatever right is, then right. this thing won't happen. Then my kid, which of course sets you up for so much judgment. I remember when, um, Oh, what was it before Instagram? It was um, MySpace. So I'll date myself. So my my two oldest, they were in the MySpace, started MySpace in like middle school. And I remember seeing on MySpace a girl talking about going out and getting drunk. Because I think I was actually like reading stuff, right? Because I was going to be the, make sure nothing bad happened. My kid didn't say anything bad. And, you know. <laughs> Who's talking and, to my kid on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, gosh, what's that mother doing wrong? You know, like, never my kid. My kid's not going to do that. And yeah. then, can you, you know, fix her halo, please? Can you fix yeah, my halo? No. <laughs> and give it, you know, give it one X, one more year. And boy, I was eating crow, you know. Yeah, and, sure. um, and it is, it's like we try and kill ourselves trying to do everything right. And then when the ball drops, and everything starts falling apart and crumbling, then it's, then we blame ourselves and beat ourselves up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, my kids ate cereal. So maybe that's why. <laughs> well, don't work. Maybe next time we'll starve our kids. <laughs> yeah. So share your story with our listeners um, and how you came to do what you do. So I'm a single mom. I have two boys. My oldest, Jake, is 23 and my youngest, Ian, is 21. Um, I've been single for around eight years now, eight years. And, um, I noticed that in middle school, my oldest started changing the friends he was hanging out with. So all of the kids that used to, you know, be in our backyard and again, perfect mom, I always had the food and the snacks and go swim in our swimming pool and then go jump on our trampoline and, oh, let's put a white picket fence. Everything was perfect. Well, all those friends through the years started fading. And in middle school, he just um, started hanging around the kids that never came to the house. So I didn't know who, who he was hanging with. And then parents would call me and tell me, oh, Jake's smoking weed. Like he's going into the, the, the creek and he's smoking weed with all these guys. And I was like, no, he's not. My kid would never do that. And um, then I started finding... Uh, you know, paraphernalia, basically, I or apples, apples were what he loved to smoke from. And he would like core an apple and smoke. And I would find like 15 apples. And I realized, oh, he's he's and I didn't understand it at first. I was like, oh, they look like dehydrated apples. This maybe he's doing a science experiment. Like, <laughs> I was in denial for a long, long time. And in the same time, I was going through a divorce. And so I then everybody, because I divorced my husband, everybody was like, oh, Jake's using drugs because Kelly, Kelly left her husband. And I, I 
I carried it. I mean, I had so much baggage of this is all my fault. And I was going to parents' houses. I was knocking on doors saying, look what's on my son's phone. Your son is doing this to my kid. And I just was pointing the finger, even though I acknowledged he was using drugs, I pointed the finger at everybody else. And um, my master's is in counseling. So I thought, I'm a counselor. I can fix him. I know what to do. Well, um, yeah, I did not know what to do. I sent him away to a school for ADHD, thinking if he goes to Arizona to this school, well, he convinced all the kids to um, put the medicine under their tongue, spit it out after the nurse gave them their medicine, and then they would go get high on their medicine. He got kicked out of that school. He went to um, four or five different high schools, um, and it just progressively from weed, then he started doing pills. and uh, here we are 10 years later, and he's a heroin addict. Um, he does fentanyl. I, it, it just, I mean, he does things that he's been in the hospital um, for 42 days. His lung collapsed and with, uh, his body was going into sepsis. And he chose to leave the hospital. And I, you know, I had doctors calling me saying he's going to die. Like in less than a week with the way his body's in sepsis you need to go find him. And I mean, things that as a mom, you, you, you're looking for your kid. And I, you know, at that time I did find him. Uh, He was at a girlfriend's house that of course he met in a rehab. Um, And they were all, I, I was Narcan and his girlfriend because she was out. She was completely out. I thought he was dead. I'm screaming. Um, It just, situations. He's been homeless in San Diego. He's been homeless in Portland. I thought he was dead. I lost all contact with him in Portland. He lost his phone or was stolen or something. Um, he, he just, he's been to over, we're, we're on 17 rehabs. He has uh, been to, I couldn't even tell you how many detoxes. I tried to fix everything. I, if I could get the tiara with the queen enabler, that would have been me. I I fixed everything. He, you know, crashed the car. I got him a new car. Uh, He needed this. I was giving him money. I was doing everything thinking if I loved him enough, he'll stop. And then I'd be so angry that I'm not doing anything for you. I freak out because I haven't heard from him in two weeks and now I'm searching for him again. So I was on this horrific roller coaster that just, um, it affected me horrifically. Like I, I was dating a guy for like four years and he finally left. He's like, I can't do this. And, and I get it. I I mean, I put even my other son on the back burner because I just wanted to fix Jake. And it, it was, um, not until like maybe two years ago, that I finally, you know, I did counseling. I, I, I talked to therapists. I went to Al-Anon's. I went to Naranons. I went to everything that everyone told me this will help. And um, I felt like everyone there would say, I'm so sorry, Kelly. I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And I, you know, I'm Christian. Please pray for me, please. But I needed tools. I needed something to help where I was like, I had I got ulcers. I lost all this weight thinking 
you know, I'm, I'm losing my mind. And then I started drinking and then I was drinking every day because I just wanted to numb everything. And I finally found a, a, a recovery coach, a family recovery coach that literally opened my eyes to this is Jake's journey. This isn't mine. This yeah. is Jake's decisions, not mine. And there's addiction on both sides of our family. And so we used to tell when I was married, we used to tell the kids, like, if you drink or you do something, it's going to be Russian roulette because this, this is in our family. Like it could happen to you. And my other son is a type one diabetic. And so I've got an insulin dependent son on this one who has the disease of diabetes. And then I have Jake on this hand who has the disease of drug addiction. Like I have two kids, but everyone's okay with Ian. Like, oh, poor Ian. But everyone's like, oh, Paul, like, oh, I'm so sorry about Jake. They both, this is a life, life disease for both of them. And I just feel that finally I get it. And I want parents to understand that you, this disease, it affects you, not just the, the struggling addict. It struggles everybody in the family and close friends. And so that's why I ended up getting into becoming a family recovery coach, because it's like, I want to help these families that they don't have to spend 10 years like I did struggling and losing their mind. And it's just, it, it took a toll on me, but I, you know, here I am now. And I'm in such a good place in my relationship with Jake. You know, he's two months sober. He's in a sober living up in LA, but he even says, mom, you've changed. I'm like, I know it's so great. I love it because I, I know my boundaries now and I know what I will do. And I, I, like, he does not know where I live. He does not even know that my, this house I moved in November. He has no idea where I live. And I'm okay with that. Like I've, I've had people like their eyes bug out. Like your kid doesn't know. Nope, 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 nope. Those are my boundaries. And I'm very comfortable with those right now. And, you know, maybe one day it'll change, but for today I'm in a good place. Wow. So much that you've said, thank you for being so vulnerable to share Mm -hmm. all that you, that you've gone through and, you know, my daughter, who's now 31, got sober when she was 18. They called it Never Had a Legal Drink was, was the name of the group that she was in. And she went to Hazelden in Chicago. And, um, and there was a lot of young kids there, you know, that 16, 17, 18. And then she was in sober living for nine months. But um, what you talk about, I think what re- really resonates with me is how confusing for me, it was, and I could get choked up about it, the difference between really loving your kid and what that looks like. Like, how do I love this kid? And here, Jake doesn't know where you live now. But to somebody that hasn't gone through it, that could sound like, oh, how could you do that? That sounds so mean. Or, you know, I, I mean, maybe they wouldn't think that after hearing everything. But that's how it felt to me. Like, it felt so counterintuitive to release this kid. And like you said, that your coach said, this is his story. Yeah. Not, not our, this is, and, and somebody said that to me too. This is your daughter's story, not your story. And, and that, that really hit home. Yeah. It does. What, do you, 
yeah. What do you think about that when you heard that, that that was that the thing that kind of flipped the switch? It did. It did. Because, you know, you go to the Al-Anon meetings and you, you sit in there and, you know, when he was a teenager, I'd go to these meetings and, you know, just to be honest with you, I'd sit there and I would judge every single person in there thinking they don't know how to parent. Like, what do you mean your kid's doing heroin? The H word? Like, you are a messed up parent. Like, again, I'm so, so crazy. And then now I go into those Al-Anon meetings on occasion now, and I, I'm kind of happy when someone comes in, in my head, of course, that you're worried because your kids smoked weed. Like I'm at the other side of the spectrum now of like, that's all you got is weed. Like, come on. <laughs> but it was almost like a, a hard shake of stop trying to control Jake. Like every time I take a step forward, he took another step backwards. So until I got to the point where we've got a nice divider between us now, it's, it's perfect. And you know, I, I know people still judge and that's okay. Like those, those are their thoughts. They're not mine. And I, I'm okay with people having their own thoughts, but when I try to control the other people's thoughts, that's when I realized I'm really messed up. And, you know, when I would have to justify, like, why don't you let him come to your house? Well, have you had every computer stolen from you? All your jewelry? Have you had, you know, all of my cameras? Like I've lost thousands of dollars because he pawned everything I owned. I, I mean, I don't have any fancy jewelry because it's all gone. So for me, but then I was like, I don't need to justify to other people why I do what I do. It's mine. It, it, I'm okay with it. And, mm-hmm. and learning to be okay and being, um, just having that positive mon- mindset has been so rewarding for me. And I, you know, that's, I think both of us, that's what we try to teach our families is that you get to control you and you can still live this beautiful life, even when your child's still struggling. And, and that's where I'm at. Like, I want people to know you don't have to sit in the house and drink and be so sad or take antidepressants because you, you just don't want to get out of bed because I've been there. I, I, I do know those feelings and man, I, I just love, I love where I am right now and able to still love my son. I, I'll send him texts almost daily just saying, Hey, thinking about you or love you. And it's nice. Cause he, he just gives me a green heart back or Aww. love you too. And it's like, or he, if I don't talk to him, he'll send me a text saying, Hey mom. And it's just like, you're alive. Like, it's just, thank you, Lord. I, I, I just needed that quick little reassurance that we're still good, but finding the joy is, is so, so beneficial for my health. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still keep my phone on it. I, and people will say, you should turn that off. You know what? I have two kids that struggle with diseases. I will never turn my phone off at night. Like I, if I get the phone call, I get the phone call, but I, I still will do what I want to do on that part. So it's just yeah. learning to, to what works for you and, and what works for other people might not work for you. And that, that's okay. Just, I think we just kind of take people where they are and go forward, stop going yeah. backwards. Yeah. It's a, it's a real process. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what I'm struck by as you're sharing all that is you set Jake free too. It's like you set yourself free and you set him free. 
And what I have found is, and if I can use like the psychologist, you know, word, psychology word is like that enmeshment of being so enmeshed that I cannot be happy unless they're happy. If they're dying, then I'm dying, you know? And so what happened with me is then I became so resentful. Like, I'm trying to save you. Don't you see that I'm trying? So then when you don't let me save you, then I'm going to not like you very much. Like there was this weird, did you find that too? Yeah. And it's, it's just that circle. It just kept going around and round. And it was like, one of us needs to jump off because it just, it, it kept happening over and over again. And then you'd say, I'm done. I, I, I can't give you any more money. I can't do this. And then sure enough, there you go again. And it's, it's a vicious cycle. It really, really is. So yeah, as you're saying, I'm smiling going, mm-hmm, yep, I remember those. Yeah, it's like a toxic merry-go-round you get on and you get yeah. like you said, like crazy. You know, I relate to that too. Like when you were going to all the neighbors, you get like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you become, and I hate the word addict. I try never to use it, but I've used it n- numerous mm-hmm. times today. Um, but it's like, I almost had an addiction to Jake. Like that was what I was so fixated on that someone brought that to my attention. Do you ever think you're, you're, you're struggling with addiction with your own son? And I was like, Ooh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Because I was, you know, the stalker mom, I had the stalker app. And if you turn that app off, I'm turning your phone off. Like, I, I mean, I just threatened, 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 and just you either love too much or you're mean too much. It was just trying to find that balance of what do I do next? Yeah. And it doesn't work, does it? (laughs) You know, it doesn't. You know, um, what do you think Jake would say that he noticed such a difference in you? Did he say what that was? He said that um, he, his word was stronger. You're stronger than you used to be. And I said, mentally, you're right. I am. I am much stronger than I used to be. And, you know, I know my son's a liar. It, he, it's the drugs. I, I, I know that. And so I take everything with a grain of salt, but I took that one for a compliment. I was like, yeah, you're right. I am stronger. Thank you for noticing. Do you feel like um, this is a true or false statement? That by continuing to do the rescuing and fixing that you were sending a message to him that you didn't believe that he had what it took. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, it's like, he's, I love that he's two months sober and that he sees that you have your own life now and that you are stronger and that you're, you know, you're finding joy and your joy isn't all wrapped up in. In just him. Yeah. Yeah. in just him. Yeah. And it's funny because people like friends of mine, majority of my, I mean, majority of my friends don't have a child struggling, which thank goodness. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. But when they get excited, like Jake has a month, I'm so excited. This is it, Kelly. This is the time. This is going to be the one. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And they're like, why aren't you happier? Like he's in a good place. And it's, I think I have learned through these years that every time I got my hopes up, 
that this is the one. Like he is so different than he was last time. It, this is the time. Boom, he relapses. And it just, it doesn't affect him the way it affects me. Like when he re- relapses, it's probably a feeling of joy for him. Like uh, I'm, you know, euphoria, like I feel good. And for me, it's like that knife just went right back into my heart. And I just get in this funk for a day or two, which is normal. And it's okay to be in those funks. I mean, I'm not saying that life is beautiful every day. It sucks on many days, but I've learned now, again, those are the, my boundaries that I don't get too excited about his recovery because this is going to be a lifelong battle for him. I mean, he has proven that already, so it's okay. And I, I am proud and I will let him know I'm proud of you today. This is a good day. Congrats. But I will never get that ecstatic feeling of this is the time he's made it because I know there's a chance for anybody who has struggled with addiction. There's always a chance. There's, there's a chance I'm going to go outside and get run over by a car. Like there's always a chance. So I don't want to not get happy and joyful, but I also know don't get crazy killed because there is a possibility and it's sad to say that, but it's, it's reality. You're trying to live in reality. We just never know. Yeah. You know, we don't know. And, and so we live for one day at a time. That's why it's one day at a time. Right. Yeah. And that, that's why I picked for my business new day. Cause I, I have said that to Jake for over 10 years now of it's okay. It's a new day. Let's try again tomorrow. Let's tomorrow's a new day. So that's where I came up with the new day family recovery is okay. We all have tomorrow's a new day. Let, if it's a crappy one tomorrow, I'm hoping will be a better day for you. Yeah. I love that. And you've just got a tattoo. I heard, cause I was listening to your podcast. <laughs> I did. I did. I actually did. I, it's like a sun with a wave and it says new strength, new thoughts, new day. So what was the first one again? I had written. That's okay. New strength. New strength. Yeah. And then new thoughts and then new day. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm learning to get stronger each day. I'm getting stronger and I have the power to change my thoughts. So if I'm in a bad place, I own it. I, I, I'll live in that little thought and then I change it because no good comes out of that negativity all the time. It just, it'll swallow you up for sure. Yeah. So when you have a hard day, do we have certain like little mantras that you say to yourself now that I do? Yeah. Um, I am enough. I, um, I, I just like, I have little stickies that are on my mirror downstairs. Um, I meditate now. Um, I work out so that self care is so important. And I, I, I mean, I went, I went from getting ulcers and being really, really thin. And then I gained a ton of weight. Like I was just on, I didn't know who I was and I didn't take care of myself at all because I a hundred percent was into Jake. And so now it's, you know, if I go visit him, I tell him, Hey, I'm going to go walk on the beach first, or I'm going to go do my workout or meditate. And then I'll come and see you. Like I will put myself first, which I never did. And as a mom, I never did either. Like my well-being? No, I just have to make sure my kids' well-being, you know, that's my job. It was a job, but you should always take care of yourself. You know, that if mama's not happy, what's that? If 
Mama's yeah, not happy. Not no happy. one's nobody's happy. <laughs> that didn't work in my life. Like I, <laughs> I was that fake it till you make it and have that face that like the world is perfect and and tried to just pretend that I was always in a good place where inside I wanted to clobber, you know. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. And unless you take care of yourself again, you will be exhausted all the time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because the blog, our blog posts, I've written a lot on self-care. They don't usually do very well. And the ones where I think that it's like, how do you fix this? Boy, those really do well because we want to fix it. Yeah. That we're fixers. Yeah. And And it's like, how can I focus on myself if my kid's not doing well? I, you know, and I was curious when you were in fix it mode, what were some of the messages? Like, for example, like if I don't fix this or I'll just share mine, if I don't fix this and something bad happens, this will be my fault. 100%. I mean, I had that same one. Or yeah. my, my fear was always, if, if I don't save him, he's going to kill himself. Oh. The drugs are, I mean, I have gone up to a car where he, he was shooting up heroin. Like he had the spoon and the, the lighter and he had the needle and I just stood there and I watched him. Like, oh. I, I just thought you're going to die. And he, and the wind, I couldn't get into the car. The window was shut and I'm screaming, stop, stop. And he's giving me the look and shaking his head. Like, you're so stupid, mom. Like, what are you doing watching me do this? And I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. I was just like, you're, you're going to die one time. Like I, I've gone to four funerals in the last six months and out of those four funerals, the oldest was 21. Oh my gosh. I, I, I just, I see too many kids that are ODing on anything that's laced with fentanyl right now. And it's just, it's like that, that was the hardest thing. It's like, I have to save him because he's going to kill himself if I don't fix him. So I think that was my hardest one to realize I can't save him. I can't fix him. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows, he knows all of this. And so I, I just, I just have to love him and (laughs) be there for him when he needs me, but not enable and not allow myself to get hurt the way I've been hurt. It's, it's like, um, I think of it like having to hand back our kids' lives to them. Yeah. And, and whether or not, moms listening, even have a kid that is addicted to something. If we do not give their lives to them, if we're trying to make them get them, you know, especially as teenagers do something, it doesn't work. You know, they have to own their own lives. And it's like that resiliency muscle that you were talking about. We keep getting in there. It's, it, it hurts them. And I feel that like my, my young son just left this morning to go. Um, he's in the maritime industry for college and he's going on, they call a cruise, which is not a cruise. Like it's a working ship for the next 45 days. Well, with diabetes, like I, again, the food's going to be cruddy. It's, it's going to be. And so do I worry? Of course I do. But in the same breath, I know he knows how to handle it. He, 
his toolbox is full of what he needs. He's got his insulin. He's got his, you know, all of his kits. So do I, I think I'll always worry. I mean, that's part of being a mom, but I won't overstep my boundaries anymore. And we just kind of, Hey, do you got everything you need? And he's like, yep. All right. All right. Bye. And so yeah, my ears and then he left and now I'm back. Okay. So it, it's like, I don't have control. Like he has to own this now and he has to, hopefully he brought everything he needs. And if not, then I'll probably get a phone call saying, could you ship? And I'm like, I can't ship anything. <laughs> You're on a boat. <laughs> You're gone. So it's again, it, it's even the kids that aren't struggling with addiction. I still worry. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's part of being a mom. It is. Mom. It is. Yeah. yeah. That we never do stop worrying. It's For what sure. we do with it. That's it. Exactly. You got it. Explain boundaries, how you see boundaries have made a big difference. I mean, you've been talking about this, but I, I didn't know what boundaries meant until I read that boundaries book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Have you ever read that one? I, I have one, right. You have a different one on your website. I noticed. And I'm like, I haven't heard of that one. I like that one. It opened me up to like, oh my gosh, I have such bad boundaries. And I was like a whole new concept. It was like somebody like hit me over the head with a brick or something. And I woke me up. I'm like, wow, that's why I have my brain headaches. That's why I, because addiction (laughs) runs in my family too, you know? And so I can look back as a kid where I was taking care of everybody, you know, I was, and then I was going to have the perfect family, you know? It's going to have a perfect family when I got married and none of that, none of that shit was going to go down. You know? And oh gosh. And uh, so funny, but um, yeah. And so how do you, can you just kind of tell our listeners, do you have like a, when you work with your clients, you know, how do you, how do you talk boundaries with them? So I think the biggest thing that I learned about boundaries was I always thought it was like, I was creating boundaries for Jake. Like these are his boundaries. And I didn't realize that the boundaries are created for ourselves. Like you have to create boundaries to protect yourself, your feelings, your heart, whatever it is. So for me, like that, like I said, the boundary of him not knowing where I live, that's a, that's a very safe boundary for me. So when I go away for an evening, I don't have to worry about, did he sneak out of the sober living? Is going to steal, break into my house and steal something. So I feel good. I feel confident knowing that I don't have that anxiety or stress that could happen. So creating your boundaries, you know, with clients, we brainstorm first. Like, what are things that are important to you? Like, what do you want to protect about yourself? Like, I don't want to get hurt. Okay, so how how can you protect yourself from getting hurt? Maybe not answer the phone call. If if they scream and yell at you on the phone and call you all those nasty names that we've all been called by our loved ones who's struggling, are you going to pick up the second time they do that? Or are you going to say, you know what? goodbye and turn your phone off. Like what are, what are ways? So we talk about the things that protect them. How can we protect you? Like what, what are the things you're going to do? And then you have to follow through. So if it's not a real boundary that you are capable, if, if my son said F you to me on the phone, 
I won't even say goodbye. I'll just hang up and then I'll turn the power off on my phone because I don't, I don't need to keep hearing it over and over again. Like you've, you've already proven my point that you're, you're using right now. I can tell because you would never say F you to me if you weren't using, I'm not going to, but parents give in or they, they feed off of it almost. And you, you just keep picking up the phone. Stop calling me. I mean it. Don't do it again. And they just keep doing it over and over again. Or if they try to break into your house, they're screaming out in the front yard. You call 911. I could never do that. Then don't set that boundary. Because if you know you can't dial 911 to get you support, then don't make it a boundary. Because once you don't follow through with your boundaries, your kids already realize my mom is blowing smoke. Like, yeah, so you, you have to be able to be accountable for those boundaries. And I think that's a hard one for a lot of people. So until you can feel confident and it's building that self-confidence up that you deserve this, you personally deserve to be okay. And we can't let our kids attack us. Like, I mean, whether it's physically or mentally, I mean, the mental part, I mean, my son's never touched me, but I've had, I found heroin one time in the house and well, actually what I found was hundreds of needles. I, I, he was clean for eight months and I allowed him cause he was working a full-time job. I allowed him to live with me and we were in company and I was stripping his bed and I took the extra pillowcase off and all of these needles fell out. Oh. And, um, it was like six fifteen in the morning. He was eating breakfast to go to work. And then there was a little case and there was, um, you know, heroin in there. And I walked out and I just had the case in my hand and his eyes just bulged out of his head. Like, oh shit, she found it. And the only thing he wanted, and I'm literally yelling, get the F out of my house now, get, get, and he wouldn't leave. And all he wanted was the heroin in my hand. And I knew he wanted it. And I wasn't obviously going to give it to him. And that for a quick second, I was like, what is going to happen here? Like, so I went outside and I said, if you don't leave, I'm going to. And I started walking and he started following me. And I'm like, you need to walk away from me now because I'm going to start screaming if you come closer to me. And he's like, what are you doing? Like he freaked out that I would even say that. And sure enough, it's 15 in the morning and I'm in the middle of my street screaming, help somebody help me. And a neighbors came out and took me in their house. And I was obviously hysterically crying, but I had the heroin and, you know, I threw it and I, I don't think I was supposed to stick it in the toilet, but I did. Um, <laughs> but I just, I mean, I mean, those, those things are just, they're stories that we've lived. And I, I mean, I just, I lost it again. I was like eight months, like you were doing so good. And he was on Suboxone and it, I, I just thought, you know, there's that, you know, the yeah. ah, knife in my heart again. So it, it's the boundaries that you create. You have to be able to call the police on your child. You have to be able to kick them out of your house. You have to be able to do it. And then tell your confident you can do it. You can't set those boundaries because they're null and void. 
Yeah. Why do you think that we have such a hard time doing something like that? You know, like it, if it's actually in so many ways, the most loving thing to do. Because we love them so much and we never, ever want them to hurt or be in pain or, I mean, it's, it's a love thing. I, I truly, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like when you get two magnets together and if they're both positive, they push away from each other. So it's like, get those two positives together because you need to be able to push them away to, to be okay. Like I just, that negative and that positive, they connect perfectly, but it's always going to be a bad connection. Like if you keep allowing them to hurt us, like it's you and I both know, like I, I have, I've, I've gotten to that point hundreds of times of, can I cry anymore? Like, I don't think I can cry anymore because I, I've just spent so much of my life crying and wishing and praying, God, please, please help me. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. And it it is, it's like, I know for me, I, you know, having, I still practice all the time having good boundaries and it still can be so sometimes I'll say, you know, I'll say no to something because I know it's a loving thing to do, but I will still cry after I set the boundary because it can be, it's so painful to say no, because everything in my heart is saying, you should say, yes, that's so mean. But I'm like, no, I know that this would not, well, you say the taking care of myself that, you know, that this is taking care of me, but it's also not loving to them. You know, it's not the loving thing to keep enabling. And that helps me too. But I think it's, it's, it can be very confusing to me having historically not been somebody that was even in touch with like, what do I want for my life? Right. Like they're asking, what do I want my life to look like? What kind of life do I want to live? Cause you're living for Jake. 100%. You know? So yeah. yeah. Wow. And it, I mean, it still affects like uh, Jake and Ian have no relationship whatsoever. So it's, it's one of those that I can't fix that either. Like I, oh. I tried that for a long time too. Of, why don't we just call and see how he is? And, you know, I, I won't do that anymore. I, you know, I, it's just not my place. And I, you know, I hope that in time they may have a relationship. It will never be a strong one. I'm positive of, you know, they, they're just night and day, but I, I hope that, you know, down the road that they can mend because yeah, there'll be some healing there. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 A lot, you know, a lot of hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, and Jake stole from me and too, like he would go into his room and steal birthday cards and hundreds of dollars and then deny it. And it's like, okay, who else? It's the three of us. <laughs> like it's you. <laughs> Mom doesn't steal from her kids. Sorry. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And letting go of that too. And then continuing to live our own life that's been given to us as a gift to live. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So in closing, what would you say to a mom who's listening 
that is struggling with their kid, not quite sure maybe even if they have an addiction, but maybe there's some signs there, you know, what would you say to her? Take your blinders off. If you are questioning it, there's probably something going on. So my, my thing is if I question something more than three times, I'm going to address it. And if you have a feeling, go with your gut and figure it out. I mean, if your child is living in your house, you have every right to go search a room, go through drawers, get the information you need. Um, if you're paying for their cell phone, you have 100% take that phone. If you don't know the code on it, it's okay. Just keep the phone. It's it, you, if they're going to play the game with you, you win. You're the adult. So if, if they're a grown child, then, you know, it's a little bit different, but if they're in your home, for sure, go with your gut. And if they're not in your home, you should be asking questions, especially if they have children at the house and you're questioning if they're sober or not, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's other ones in the house. And if they've got babies, you definitely, that's your job. You need to make sure that you're, you're creating a safe place for your grandchildren or nieces and nephews. So um, go with your gut and it's okay. And talk to someone. Don't try and handle it all on your own, because if you're, you're doing it on your own, you're going to go nuts. You're going to go cuckoo crazy in your own head because you're doubting yourself. You're, you're sad. You're angry. You're frustrated. And it's, it's a lonely, lonely road alone. Reach out, find somebody to talk to that truly understands because a lot of people who like just talking to my friends, you know, back in the day when this was first happening, he just needs to stop. And they didn't understand addiction. And it's like, it's not a light switch. It doesn't turn on and off. And so finding someone that can actually relate and understand where you're going through, I think is really, really helpful. I mean, that, that, that's what saved me is finally finding like the therapist. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't have some good therapists, but I, they, they didn't get it to this extent. Of I, I agree. Yeah. When you have addiction is a whole different animal. Yeah. You know, um, get support for yourself. Do not go it alone. Save yourself, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Get that support. So yeah. tell people where to find you, Kelly. I am at, uh, Kelly at new day family recovery. Um, and all of my social media is new day family recovery. So you can find me on any social media and that's my email, Kelly at new day family recovery. Okay. I will share that, uh, in the links with everyone so that they can find you easily. And you walk, you walk, uh, moms, parents through this, uh, you have a whole program that you go through with them. Yes, ma'am. Help them. And then you also, you do have a podcast. It's not per se around addiction, but right. it's very uplifting. Thank you. It's called the Melancholy Show. And we, uh, we have different series each month and we go through a different feeling or a thought that you have and how you can use it negatively or positively. And we, it's all about mindset and it's like life coaching. It's kind of like a life coaching podcast that we created. And it's funny. It's fun. It's light. We've been doing it for like a year and a half now. And um, it's fun. It's a good one. Yeah. Come jump on there too. 
It's a really good one. You're so both so positive and encouraging and uplifting. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We both had coaches. Like we both did some life coaching and, and kind of realized that we're the only ones who have control of this. So let's do it. So it's, it's a positive thing. And you know, you, you could be on our podcast again. Like we, we are positive people and we love helping people. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kelly, for your story and your journey and for, you know, giving moms hope that they can have a joyful life, no matter, you know, where they're at. So absolutely. Yeah. I'm sending you a big hug. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in today. I just want you to know how grateful I am for you and for you showing up here and for everything that you do every day to show up for your kids, for your family. And I just want you to know that because you're listening, I see you. I see how hard that you're trying. And I really hope that you are giving yourself lots of grace and compassion through this whole process of trying to raise our tweens and teens and love them well. Not always easy to do. And so I just really appreciate you. And I have a favor to ask you. I really want to get the message out about this podcast, about the support that moms of tweens and teens can provide for other moms, for other parents. And would you do me a favor and leave a review or share it, share this podcast on social media. Tell other moms about moms of tweens and teens to get the word out. Because you know what? We all need to know that we're not alone and we all need support and we need each other. So if you can just hit, you know, go, go to the notes and leave a, leave a review I would so appreciate it. So thank you so much for joining me and I will see you back here next week.